This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Grab some popcorn, your favorite blanket, and while you're at it, some garlic and a silver bullet, because it's time for Grim, Grody, and Ghouly, a Sunday Kind of Loves Halloween episode. <laughs> I'm Tasha Fusil, by the way. Uh, hi, I'm Maya Tan. Now, if you're like me and Tasha, then you adore Halloween. There's something about the idea of spooky things, that fascination we have for the macabre and the dead or undead that entertains us. But because Halloween comes with a whole lot of candy and dressing up, there's a bit of a sugar coat that we wear and somehow this makes it all okay. Or does it? On this episode, if you're looking for some thrills, we look long and hard into our crystal balls to seek out the places where lightning strikes not once, but twice. Or maybe just places where we can have some ghoulish fun without the real blood. Don't be so sure about that. On Couch Potatoes, Christina Oro and the horror buff, Zoe Maisara, turn their heads 360 degrees to bring you some of the most horrific viewing this Halloween. And after that, Tasha has some nifty tricks for that Halloween gathering you're planning. I will do no such thing! No, I will be stirring up my cauldron, throwing in a pinch of cunning and a few measures of baby lizard's gizzards and a whole lot of hoodoo to bring you... Some nifty hacks for Halloween parties. And last but not least, we continue with the Malaysian ghost story... We continue weaving the silken cobweb to bring you the continuing saga of Mad About Mary, the dark tale by Terence Toh, told on I Love Kale yesterday. The story of Siva and the elusive angel of his dreams, Mary, as the voices in his head remind him of the many things he could do to her and her body. (laughs) (sighs) But first... But first! All the places to go if you want some electric this Halloween. Calling all zombie hunters, there's been an outbreak. Publica Mall has been infected with the Z virus, turning innocent shoppers into mindless zombies. Your only way to survive is by teaming up with an armed commando on his mission to retrieve the antidote. Zombie Apocalypse is where you want to be. The experience is an approximately 30-minute adventure, taking you around various stations within the mall at night, leading you to eventually steal the antidote from the scientists who has also been infected. Throughout the journey, guided by our hopefully hot commando, you will have to complete various tasks and missions in order to survive, all while avoiding the infectious contact of the undead. And in true zombie movie style, there's a surprising twist at the end. You'll need your wit and reflexes about you if you're to remain uninfected till the end. The zombie apocalypse is taking place on October 31st and November 1st at Publica. You can get all the details at facebook.com forward slash zombieapocalypse that's A-P-O-K-L-Y-P-S-E and you can purchase your tickets over at Groupon. And by the way, we've got a surprise for you. We're giving away two tickets to Zombie Apocalypse and all you have to do is simply answer this question. When and where will Zombie Apocalypse take place? Just tell us when and where Zombie Apocalypse will take place and email your replies to sundaykindalove at bfm.my that's sundaykindalove at bfm.my and the first two correct answers to come in will win tickets to Zombie Apocalypse. And next, 
for this year's Halloween, Escape Room will be transforming Wet World Water Park to a splashdown of terrifying attractions. As darkness falls across the land and the midnight hour is close at hand, creepy creatures from every tomb will rise and terrorize Shah Alam's Wet World Water Park and make their own Halloween home. Yes, because you know Shah Alam is already quite scary. Yes, that could be worse. <laughs> So get an entry pass to the exclusive Halloween escape event that promises to be jam-packed with daring and thrilling challenges to test your survival skills. Try to break away from evil ghouls at the eerie haunted house and test your wits by fleeing from six challenging escape rooms before sweating your scares away. So Escape Room's Halloween Escape's final night will be on the 31st of October, 7.30pm till 12 midnight, and it only costs... 38 Mingit per packs. Tickets available for sale at all escape room outlets and Wet World Water Park Shah Alam. What have you got next? So we have Nights of Fright 2 at Sami Lagoon, which is touted to be Malaysia's biggest and scariest event. The amusement park will be transformed into one giant landscape of horror for the event, with all new themed scare zones including Dead End, the abandoned theme park, Escape from Pudu, <laughs> Carnival of Freaks, the Pontianak Theatre of Fear and Horrorwood Studios, it sounds like there will be no shortage of horror and carnage to partake in. And in addition to all of that, the rides in the amusement park will all be open. So Nights of Fright 2 tickets will be sold at 48 ringgit per person. You may purchase your tickets online at sunwaylagoon.com or at the Sunway Lagoon ticketing counter. Nights of Frights 2 is taking place on the 31st of October and 1st of November from 7.30 all the way to 10.30. And on Halloween night itself, the 31st, the event will be extended to 11.30pm. Why 11.30pm? Why not midnight? Isn't that the witching hour? Something scary is going to happen after 11.30, I think. I see. Well, it is Sunway Lagoon and this is for the kids. So go out there, get wet, have fun. <laughs> and finally, we've got the Halloween bus tour at Bait. So the folks at Bait, the restaurant in Bangsa are in the second year of their Halloween bus tour. And this is for those of you who just want to have a fun time makaning and minuming with your friends. This time they're partnering with Uber to save everyone the horror of having to drive back home. And you'll get a free 30 ringgit credit as well. So starting at bait, the rest of the stops for the night will include 6, the rabbit hole and roots. Tickets are inclusive of drinks, goodie bags and transportation. So if you join the bus tour, you'll be tearing up the city with some ghostly carnage on the 31st of October starting 8pm so with four locations lots of refreshment and friends around you you'll have one hell of a good time and if last year's spook fest is anything to go by tickets will sell out really fast so get your tickets now from Bait they're priced at 220 ringgit for more information you can email the organisers at halloweenbuskl at gmail.com that's halloweenbuskl at gmail.com or call 03 2201 8187 03-2201-8187 So here's wishing you a scary Halloween But have fun at the same time And be safe <laughs> Yep Next on A Sunday Kind of Love We're going to keep our popcorn close to our faces Bundle up in our favourite blankets And brace ourselves for a scare fest With Couch Potatoes' Christina Oro And Zoe Maisara A Sunday Kind of Love returns right after this On BFM 89.9 It's a Sunday kind of love with the Halloween episode. I'm Maya Tan. <laughs> I'm Tasha Fasil. You've been listening to a Sunday kind of love. 
coming up next on Couch Potatoes, Christina Aro and the horror buff Zoe Maisara turn their heads 360 degrees to bring you some of the most horrific viewing this Halloween. It's Halloween! And on the couch today is Christina Oro and horror buff Zoe Maisara. Welcome. Hello. I went to see Dracula last night. Dracula Untold. Yes. How was it? I loved all the Dracula sort of tidbits, like, you know, the silver and the wooden crosses and stakes and all of that kind of stuff. Totally loved Luke Evans, right? But it was a little showy, a little bit... Oh, let's make intense, intense scenes and, you know, nothing new, but thoroughly enjoyable. Lots of eye candy. Yes, he looks very, very candy. Um, In terms of storyline? Okay lah, it begins and ends and, you know. Would you categorise it as a horror movie? No, pleasant uh, fantasy maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Role play. Definitely, Uh, you know, there is a moment of horror which was very good. (laughs) The moment when you, you see the original Dracula, who's played by Charles Dance. And that's about it. After that, it's not that scary at all. And it's sort of epic battles sort of thing. <laughs> Sorry, I brought it up. <laughs> what do you think is the fascination with horror films? Oh, gosh. Fear of the unknown. And also the need for catharsis. You know, screaming, shouting. In quote, air quotes, reliving moments of extreme fear, which I haven't actually happened to you, but just getting rid of that that extra energy. I think it's all about catharsis. Yeah, we all want something exciting to happen to us, mm. but we don't want it to be actually life-threatening. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Zoe, you're 13 and you're a horror film buff. Why are you fascinated with horror films? Uh, it just gives out that sort of vibe that like you just want to watch it even though it's like really crappy or something. Yeah, that sort of, um, that sort of like spooky morbid vibe. curiosity, yeah. what's going to yeah. happen next. and Yeah, that's why yeah. you're yeah, interested. Cool. There are different yeah. kinds of horror. You've got your schlock horror, which is, you know, semi-funny. And then the real screamerama stuff. And then there's the deep, psychologically troubling stuff that, you know, for days after you feel, oh God, I wish I'd never seen that. I'm... I'm true, questioning, true. questioning my existence. I have to tell you about how this one horror movie really scarred me. Mm-hmm. It was the first time that my mother was nice to me that I can remember. Yes. Uh, I was seven years old. I had a fever. Uh-huh. So she says, why don't you stay home, you know, and um, we'll go out, rent some movies, and uh, I'll braid your hair. We'll bring pillows and blankets into the living room and we'll watch this movie together. And then she braided my hair. She made me soup. She fed me. She wrapped me up in the blankets and then she puts on the exorcist. <laughs> Even the way you told that story was pretty much how, you know, horror works, which is the nice calm lead up to the horror. <laughs> <laughs> and I was scarred forever. I could not walk into a dark room by myself. Yeah, well, there's always been certain movies that kind of herald sort of a new shift in the way horror is depicted in movies. Um, I'm sure The Exorcism was one which I haven't watched yet. Poltergeist, which I barely sort of that was picked a big up one. behind my arms at. And um, things like Ju-On, and where they feel that there's something in the room and there's that 
sound, which is horrifying. It's <laughs> <laughs> when I realized that that's what I was listening to in the scene where the, the somebody goes in the room and goes, what's going on here? And you can hear this weird, it's like somebody gasping for breath. And that's well, you really know, terrifying. People who claim to have real experiences with like Pontianaks or, or ghosts in the jungles, you know, they say that when they come into contact with like a Pontiana, they hear these clicking sounds. <laughs> Oh, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Is it the nails crackling in their spines? Is it nails no like on a, on a wooden surface? Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, they hear it so and then weird. they know that something's there and then they just get the hell out of there. <laughs> wow. Uh, the, uh, one local movie which I thought really did the whole horror thing very well, except for one thing which totally spoiled it for me, was Jangan Pandang Belakang because mm-hmm. they used music effectively, they used suspense effectively. Uh, you know, sort of corner of your eye. Did I see what I just saw? Horror was really well done. And then they cut to a close-up of the monster, which was a total, like, paper mache. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, you know, when the reveal is just too obvious, it, it actually takes away that fear. For yeah. example, for years and years, up to my 20s, I was afraid of The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. And then I finally plucked up the courage to watch part two. Mm-hmm. And then I found out it was some African locust spirit named Pazuzu. And I was like, <laughs> huh? <laughs> And on the local front, I love that we have so many myths and folklore to draw from. Oh, and uh, one of the latest local films is Nasi Tangas or Nasi Kangkang. It's basically about this woman who mixes her period blood with rice. She makes someone eat it and then she has control over him, I think. Lafas kasi menjadi saksi Kutangas nasi mengikat kasi Hanya kau milikku Kenapa balik pegang Fatin dari Mira? Siapa isi abang? Fatin ke Mira? Hashtag nasty And then, of course, uh, there are films that just use the gratuitous scare tactics Mm. just too much, you know. Um, Cats jumping out of closets and that kind of makes me mad because I think we're an evolved horror audience. Yeah, but it is very effective, isn't it? It And I think that um, you got to submit to the experience of watching a horror movie. If you're sitting back going, oh, I think something's coming... You're just going to ruin it for yourself and everybody else, you know, who's <laughs> listening to you prattling on at the back of the cinema. But it's like a roller coaster ride. You, you kind of have to roll with it to yeah. really enjoy it. But there are some movies that are very, very disturbing. Maybe not so much horror in the sense that there's not scares along the way, no screaming, nothing like that. But uh, movies like uh, I had watched a movie called The Vanishing back in the early 90s, I think it was, which was a Dutch film. And it's basically this these, this couple, uh, probably on their honeymoon, you know, they're just uh, road tripping and um, the girlfriend gets out, goes to the bathroom at a gas station and never comes back. And he spends like three years trying to find out where she is. And her kidnapper eventually gets in touch with her and says, if you want to find out what happened, I will take you through it. And the guy with this like morbid, instead of being, you know, sort of like, call the cops, He's like, well, I don't have a shred of evidence. I really have to go through with it because she might be alive and I can find her. And uh, this is a spoiler, but basically what happens is he 
drugs himself because the kidnapper says, unless you drug yourself and go through exactly what she did, you're never going to find out. So because he wants to find out, he drugs himself and he wakes up in a coffin. (gasps) And it was just the most dreadful, horrible feeling that just came over me for like months. I think I was thinking back of the the absolute final hopelessness. And of course, Hollywood went and did a remake, which was... In 1993, with with Jeff Bridges and Sandra Bullock. Mm. I also saw another one. It was called Sinister, starring Ethan oh, Hawke. Oh, yeah, mm. yeah. I remember going to Penang and watching it in the hotel TV. <laughs> Isn't that like the scariest at place to watch? AM, at 12 a.m. <laughs> watching Sinister in the hotel oh. TV at 12 a.m. He's a writer and he needs a story. He needs a second book. Mm. So he moves his family into this house, mm-hmm. which... Uh, he knows he's haunted. We don't know if it's haunted, but a lot of deaths have occurred there. Mm-hmm. Apparently there are just whole families that have been mutilated or drowned or asphyxiated. Somehow they've all been murdered. And he uncovers in the attic a box full of videotapes. And in these videotapes is the actual filming of of the deaths of these families. New details today in the grisly murders of a local family found earlier this week. I didn't want to move here. We couldn't afford to live in the old house anymore. Plus, the new story I'm writing is here. Is the story a good one this time? I'm going to write the best book that anybody's ever read. I got a really good feeling about this. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Family hanging out. Barbecue 79. That's the family who lived here. You think these are serial murders? I don't know. First one I found dates back to the 60s. The only link between all these cases is the symbol. The symbol is associated with a pagan deity named Bagul. He consumes the souls of human children. sounds a little bit like The Shining, even though I don't think it's the same kind of movie, where a writer takes his family to sort of like an abandoned motel, and then weird things start to happen. Oh, yes. (laughs) What's that famous line? Here's Johnny. (laughs) With the axe. Here's Johnny. They actually paid homage to in the latest episode of Supernatural. They did? Yeah, that when <laughs> Dean was cutting through the door with an axe. That scene was just pretty much... The same. From The Shining, yes. Okay, well, you're a, a bit of a supernatural connoisseur, I would uh, say. Connoisseur. <laughs> what do you love about that series? Uh, mainly the hot guys, that's probably it. I was about to say, oh, she's not going to say all the hot guys, but she did it. <laughs> yeah, they just have to be hot. You need to have a good storyline. <laughs> really? Are the storylines not good at all? No, no, they're interesting, they're interesting. Well, definitely with TV and, and stuff like Supernatural, it does get a little bit borderline cheesy. But part of the whole thing of horror as well is mythology. Like the idea that, you know, oh, if you're alone at midnight, you shouldn't do this. You might call in the ghosts or things like, for example, Emily Rose, the exorcism of Emily Rose. After I watched that frightful movie, <laughs> three o'clock in the morning, if I was ever up, I'd be like, OK, time to time to lie down and be quiet now because of the whole thing with the story where 
she gets haunted at three in the morning, where the vampires come from, all that kind of mysticism or mythology or legends about what a particular horror, horrible being is, plays a lot and is much to do with uh, how we process bad things in our culture. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, yeah, I agree. I think that um, TV has always made horror that much lighter. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm. um, even in Supernatural, you know, you're dealing with demons in human bodies, but they get killed off so easily and so often that, yeah. you know, it desensitizes you. But like true horror was never brought onto the small screen before American Horror Story. <gasps> I love that series. Yes, I agree. And that first series was just breathtaking. I think I saw the second, which was uh, Asylum. Asylum was just really disturbing. Very disturbing. Very, Very disturbing. Very. Yeah. And the third season was Coven, which dealt with witchcraft. Yeah. And the latest one is Freak Back. Show. Freak Show. Let's watch oh, Sarkas. Yeah, everybody, like, I've been in group chats with a, a bunch of my friends and everybody's like, oh, I'm going to watch Freak Show. And then they just send all these creepy pictures of clowns at like 3am and you look at it and like, oh, can't go to sleep now. Where are the freaks? I'm getting bored. Freaks. It was in the fall when I realized the world I had known was forever doomed. I knew I was about to enter the gates of hell, but like the inescapable pole of gravity, there was nothing I could do about it. Let's hope they start bringing in some paying customers. Dear diary, I have seen my future. It is pink and wrapped in silk. You're gonna be big stars. You're gonna pack that house night after night. We're nobody's trained monkey. This place is as good as it gets for folks like us. Human oddity! What you're about to see will astound your senses and harrow your very souls. Freak! They're freak! Come tomorrow morning, my boys are gonna come over here and run you out of town. There is no place in Jupiter for freaks. Don't call us freaks! I love that what they've done season by season is basically tap into certain, I guess, genres of horror. So asylum dealing with people who cannot relate to normal people in a normal way. So crazy people. But are they really crazy? Mm -hmm. Are they touched by the devil? Or are they trying to cope? You know, I love that exploration of that. Freak show, people who are different from us and how they make things work. All these kinds of things. I love uh, Coven, I haven't seen, but I'm sure it deals with things like hysteria and uh, the horror of the female... Female power. Just fear of the the woman's power. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of hysteria. People think of hysteria as like somebody going just crazy and unable to control themselves. But hysteria actually comes from the Greek word which means womb. So it's like particularly feminine energy of of uh, craziness, I guess. But I think it's feminine rage, I suppose you could say, which is probably what Kevin might explore. Mm-hmm. I, don't know. I also think that that whole Asian horror genre mm. has really disrupted the way we make movies, you know, and things like um, from, from as far back as Shutter from Thailand. Oh, oh that all was scary. That all was scary. Nang Nat was also very scary. Oh, I was at Thailand once uh, on a holiday. I went with a bunch of my dad's friends because we were going for like snorkeling and stuff and then they all went out for dinner and then I stayed home uh, in the chalet uh, near the beach and then the Nang Nang ad comes up <laughs> and I'm all alone at night in the hotel room and the Nang Nang ad 
comes up and I'm just like okay cannot sleep <laughs> but, but did you feel like watching the movie though after watching the show yeah trailer? yeah because like she was <laughs> Can't she, help yourself. she was losing her hair and I'm like why is she losing her hair she's like oh I'm losing my hair. I'm becoming a ghost. Mm-hmm. Like, uh. It's, I think, affected Western horror filmmaking as well. There were adaptations, obviously, of The Ring, mm-hmm. Dark Water. Yeah, that one was seen. Japanese and uh, it also had a Hollywood version with Jennifer Connelly. Mm-hmm. That was definitely very, very scary. And uh, I think of late, some of the, the big scarers were Mama mm-hmm. and The Conjuring. Oh, yeah, The Conjuring was scary. And of course, it had its spin-off, uh, which recently was screened, called Annabelle. I heard from everyone that it's not really scary. It's just like a bunch of jump scares. That's it. But this is a prequel. John, wake up. What's it? Next door, I heard a scream. Stay here. I'll go check it out. John? Is everything all right? Oh my God, they're covered in blood. Go back inside. It's not mine. It's not. Go back inside and call an ambulance right now. Go! You survived. You don't come out the other side of something like this weaker. What is there left to be scared of? This is the last of them. How did that get in there? I swear I threw it out. Things must have got mixed up. There, she fits right in. There are things happening that I I can't explain. We should talk to someone. I don't think what you're experiencing is a ghost. Sometimes demons can attach themselves to objects. Protect your family. Who are you? (laughs) I'm not watching that movie! Never ever! (laughs) Oh god! (laughs) Wow. Zoe, what other new movies are coming up? In uh, the horror genre? I do know uh, one that recently just... Yeah, screened. Uh, it's The Purge, Anarchy. And that What's one that is one? based on what if... I mean, there's this new law sometime in the future mm. where one day in a year, all crimes are legal. <gasps> Why would they do that? Why kind of government is so stupid to like let crime to be legal? Apparently, it reduces the crime rate because on this one night, everyone can just get rid of all their criminal instincts and do whatever they want. Lamal. Can you step on it? It's getting late. I'm sorry, I'm so anxious. It's just tonight. We're gonna be okay. Just like always. No, no. This can't be happening. No one's gonna help us tonight. This is your emergency broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge. At the siren, all crime, including murder, will be legal for 12 hours. All emergency services will be suspended. Your government thanks you for your participation. I think it also plays on the whole idea of like, we are constantly fed a barrage of uh, the horrible things that happen in our real world, like on Facebook and on the news and all of that, and the fear that things are just going to go out of control, that it might be just the one person, like in this movie, who lets the bad stuff come in and invites in a whole lot of 
chaos and all of that, that fear is such a strong thing. I think this is why this movie is... Because I was just thinking, how far is that away from riots and, and how when people have no idea how they're going to control riots or things like that, mass sort of hysteria or, or terrible violence, maybe this could be the answer. You know, maybe people will eventually think this is the only way. Let's try it. The fact that it is, you know, it could reflect reality shows what Americans actually think of their own country. (laughs) (laughs) So Anarchy is the sequel to The Purge. It's called The Purge Anarchy. Mm -hmm. Uh, What other horror movies are you looking forward to? Oh, uh, this is one that just recently came out. It's a Ouija. Ouija, with the age-old Ouija board. (sighs) We had so many, because I was in boarding school, stories of a young girl who had done a seance at night and accidentally contacted her own dead mother and you know Ooh. I mean all this legend stuff you know you don't know if it's true but or if somebody's just basically saying it so that you don't go making your own seance board mm-hmm. and freaking people out but I wonder what it is about the Ouija board that makes it happen I mean like if you created your own would it also work it's not like you buy a board that it comes imbued with the powers. You can write whatever you want on a piece of paper and make your own little pointer. The idea is everybody gets together, puts their finger on the pointer, and then an unseen energy moves the pointer. But I reckon, how are you to know who's who's moving the pointer? Or even if collectively you're all moving the pointer, you know, some kind of intuitive Energies. thing happening. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. So hmm. I don't think the Ouija board is actually evil in itself. Let's watch the trailer. Yeah. You ever feel like even after someone you love has died, there's still a way you can talk to them? You want to talk to Debbie? Yeah. This is where Debbie died. I don't think this is a good idea. As friends we've gathered, hearts are true. Spirits near, we call to you. If you can hear us, Debbie, I miss you. Yeah. It's an old house. This is a joke. <gasps> Come on, you guys. Who's doing that? Sarah, cut it out. I'm not pushing it. Just spelled hi, friend. Hey, this is freaking me out. I'm done with this. I found something. I found something. I wanted to get this on camera. I found something in my house. It, weird things started happening as soon as I found the board. Jimmy found the board in her house. She woke something up. Is somebody there? This thing is haunting us. Hello? It's coming through all of us. So who's next? How do we stop this? You have to break the connection or it will keep coming for you. Wow. From the director of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the producer of Insidious. So anyway, I'm just going to leave all of you out there listening with the story of Elisa Lam. Now, she was a guest at the Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. The Cecil Hotel has a history of suicides and criminal activity, which includes murders. Mm-hmm. Um, it was reported to be the residence for serial killers Richard Ramirez in 1985 and Jack Unterweger in 1991. It's also rumoured to be one of the last places that Elizabeth Short was seen before her murder in 19. 19- 47. Uh, Elizabeth Short was a, a celebrity of sorts. I think she was a, probably better known by her nickname, the Black Dahlia. She was the victim of a gruesome and much publicized murder. Mm. 
Anyway, um, back to Elisa Lam. She's a 21-year-old Canadian-Chinese student. She was found inside one of the water supply tanks on the hotel roof, just like in dark water. (gasps) And if you Google Elisa Lam, you can actually see footage of probably her last moments on Earth where she's acting really weird in an elevator, in a lift, and she's pressing all the buttons and speaking to someone that people can't see. You know, after people had complained about the water tasting funny, Uh. they found her body there. How long has it been there, her body, I mean? Like, until they found (laughs) it? They left it there. (laughs) Uh, Basically, (laughs) she went missing in January 31st and Uh. she was only discovered February 19th of 2013. Same, Same year or different years? Same year. The same year. She was bipolar, which may have contributed to her death, but I think there's more to it than that. So yeah, if you Google Elisa Lam, you'll be able to see the CCTV footage and you can decide for yourself. Uh... When a Sunday Kind of Love returns, we've got some party hacks for you so that you can host the perfect Halloween party. Yes, lure them in, feed them, drug them, then do with them what you will. And of course, we continue the story of Siba, who's fixated on Mary. What will he do to her? What will he do to her? Don't go away. A Sunday Kind of Love returns right after this on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to A Sunday Kind of Love's Grim, Grody and Ghouly, the Halloween episode. I'm Maya Tan. Tasha Fusil is up next and I know she's got some grim, grody, gruesome hacks up her sleeve for you so that you can host that perfectly horrifying Halloween party. Whether you're wanting to tap into the spirits unknown or looking to spook the trick-or-treaters in the neighbourhood or just wanting to host a really fun party, here are some easy-peasy decorating hacks to try for this Hallow's Eve. With the exception of the dry ice, most of the items used in the hacks are household items or easy-to-find stuff that you can buy at the shopping mall. (laughs) First item that I think we can work with are glow sticks. Now there's a lot of potential for the creepy things you can do with glow sticks for Halloween like scary peekaboo balloons. Snap one or two glow sticks so they glow and insert them into a balloon. Inflate the balloon and tie it off. Use a black marker to draw some ghouls on each balloon. And you're set to go. Tape them down to the front of your windows to make it look like ghosts are peeking out of them. You can also use glow sticks to make paperback lanterns. Take brown paper bags and just drop in a couple of snap glow sticks and ta-da! Scary but ambient mood lighting. Eyeballs, severed fingers, shrunken apple skulls. These are just some of the items you'd expect to find on the macabre menu on Halloween night. My personal favourite? Creepy crawlies. So here's a pretty simple way to make some homemade squiggly worms using jello mix and straws. Pack a bunch of straws together in a cup and secure it with a rubber band. Mix a batch of jello mix together. You can go brown for a more natural earth worm tone or use some food colouring to pack a colourful punch. Make sure the straws are flexed out so that you can see the pattern of the ridges on the jello once it's set. Pour the mix into the straws using a pitcher with a pouring lip or even a syringe if you have it at home. Put the mix into the fridge and let it set for at least 8 hours. 
Getting the jelly worms out of the straws might be a little tricky. You can try running them over warm water and then tipping them out, or you can lightly roll it with a rolling pin to expand the straw. And if you want to make things even more authentic, crumble up some Oreo cookies or biscuits to make fake sand and dirt for the worms to wiggle in. And a quick way to put the serum into your syrup. Have your syrup buncher ready in your punch bowl. Grab some rubber gloves. Give them a really thorough wash and fill them up with water and freeze them. Instead of using regular ice cubes, you get palm print ice cubes. If you can get your hands on lots of dry ice, then you can make a whole batch of bubbling potions. Get together some tall, clear glass vases or jars and fill them up with water and colouring if you want to use them as props or with your Fanta and your Kickapoo and your grape juice if you plan to make punch. Plop some dry ice in and watch the bubbles and smoke appear. But be careful when handling dry ice. They should never be held with your bare skin, so keep those gloves and tongs at the ready. <laughs> Ditch your regular tablecloths and coasters for the night and go with some bloodstained tablecloths. You might want to save the pretty linens in the cupboard this time around and opt instead for the plastic tablecloths that you can find at Daiso. Smear the blood of your victims or your leftover bunch of paint, a tablescape of a gruesome murder. But if you want something a little less messy, you can use red felt material, also available at Daiso. Take that red felt material, cut out droplet-shaped motifs around the edges of the felt, and that should create the illusion of big droplets of blood. If you have free time and don't mind engaging in a little graffiti, you can turn your family photos into haunted portraits. If the photos are framed, use a red whiteboard marker to colour out the eyes of all the pictures you have in the house. And if they're hanging on the walls, tilt them to the side for added effect. It might just be a small way to bump up the spook factor in the house, but as they say, the devil is in the details. <laughs> and let's not forget the mirrors. Make full use of the mirrors in the house by decorating them with spooky messages like red rum murder or help me. Or you could draw droplets of blood around the corners of the frame as if the mirrors were bleeding. So with five days left till the 31st, those are just a few last minute hacks to help you survive the hosting horrors of Halloween. If you have any comments or suggestions for life hacks you'd like to see, tweet us at BFM Radio and let us know. I'm Tasha Fusil and you've just been Life Hacked. Coming up next, Siva is a homeless man. Siva wants Mary. The voices in his head keep telling him what he should do to her. Part 1 was on I Love KL yesterday, and you can download the podcast for that. But what happens next? Well, stay tuned. A Sunday Kind of Love returns after this with more Halloween. Before we get there, this is Don't Fear the Reaper by the Blue Oyster Cult. I'm Tasha Fusil and A Sunday Kind of Love. BFM 89.9 <laughs> It's a Sunday kind of love. We're back 
with the Halloween episode. I'm Maya Tan, and yesterday on I Love KL, we started telling you the story of Mad About Mary by Terence Toe, taken from the book KL Noir, published by Fixie Novo. Siva is a homeless man who's lived on the street since he was eight. He's fixated with a girl named Mary, pure as a bowl of fresh piping hot taufu fa. The voices in Siva's head keep telling him about the things he could do to her, but Siva lives just to catch a glimpse of her each day. One day though, things change. Mary has a boyfriend. What happens next? One night, a very strange thing happened. Siva had been asleep, dreaming of his dear Amma, when he was awakened by the sound of shouting. He opened his eyes and saw to his surprise, spiky hair and Mary walking down the road from the club. The moon was out and there was only a single street light on Jalan Haji Badarudin, which was badly vandalised and close to burning out. Its light had been flickering erratically for several months now. Yet even in the dimness, Siva knew it was Mary. There was no mistaking that pretty face, that sweet voice. The two were shouting at each other. Mary was in tears, screaming at spiky hair, calling him psycho and perverted, and many other words Siva did not understand. Spiky Hair was yelling at her, his face red with anger. To Siva's shock, he suddenly lashed out at Mary with his fists, knocking her to the ground. There was blood streaming from the side of her head. She struggled and kicked as Spiky Hair grabbed her by the hair and pulled her, like a caveman, to a nearby car. He forced her into the back seat and drove the car quickly away, knocking over a dustbin in his haste. Siva was confused. Had it been a dream or was it real? For him, it was never easy to tell. Mary was not at the station the next day, or the next day, or the day after that. The following day, however, policemen showed up outside Arman Rahman. They cordoned off most of the area with tape and headed to the club down the road where they took away the owner in handcuffs. Siva remained hidden until the investigations were over. He was afraid of the police. He knew what they could do. He took two more fruitless voyages to the monorail station before finally finding out what had happened to Mary. Aching had come to visit him. She was grim-faced, a stark contrast from her usual cheerful self. She handed Siva a yellowy newspaper article. Mary, she said simply. Now Siva had never gone to school. He had lived on the street since he was eight after his amma died. So he could not even read the simplest of words such as the, and or but. To say nothing of big words like murder, forensic or sexually assaulted, which the article was liberally peppered with. He had no idea that the media were reporting a crime described alternatively as the work of an animal, heinous and grisly, and twisted beyond measure. He had no way of reading that baffled policemen were offering a large reward for information. But Siva saw the pictures. A large picture of Mary, her hair over her shoulders smiling broadly, crowds wearing black, and a woman crying as she stood before a wooden box with a framed picture of Mary on it. 
another one of a policeman looking serious, police tape strung next to a monsoon drain. Somehow, Siva knew in his heart of hearts that something terrible had happened and he would never see Mary again. In fury, he tore the article into shreds. Mary! Mary! He wailed, oblivious to the alarmed stares of passers-by. Mary! 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 Screaming, Siva kicked over dustbins and punched the wall with his fists. He probably would have run amok on the street had not Aching been there to calm him down. Uh, he's drunk, uh, he's drunk. Uh. Uh, sorry, uh, sorry. Uh. Don't, don't worry, uh, don't worry. Uh. She reassured concerned onlookers. Don't worry. That night, as Siva cried himself to sleep, <laughs> the voices came. You know who did this. You know what must be done. Siva listened for the first time. The next day, Siva went to the monorail station as usual. Aching begged him not to go. Mary will not be there. You're wasting your time, ma'am. Stay here instead, okay? I will tell you stories. And we can have a nice lunch, okay? A kind man bought me a sandwich today. Ah, and I saved half for you already. Forget about Mary, okay? There's no point. Siva did not listen. After all, it was not Mary he was looking for. He went to the station again the next day, and the next, and the next. He will come. He will come. After a month of fruitless trips to the station, Siva's waiting finally paid off. One hot afternoon, Siva spotted spiky hair among the throng of people exiting the station. He was calm and collected as he walked down the road he and Mary usually took together, whistling a merry tune. Siva followed him. Today is a good day, he thought. Spiky Hair made his way to an old apartment block a few roads from the station. The place was old and poorly maintained. Its walls were yellowed with mildew and the floors stank of urine. Large boxes were stacked in piles all over the corridor where stray cats prowled, mewling loudly. Normally, Siva would have stopped to play with the cats. He liked them with their furriness and long whiskers. But this was not the time for that. He followed Spiky Hair up a flight of stairs to his flat. He watched silently as Spiky Hair took out his keys and unlocked his door before taking off his shoes and going in. When Siva tried going in after him, however, the door would not open. Open the door! Why couldn't he go in? Furious, he punched the doors with his right hand, only to scream louder from the resulting pain. Ah, open the door! Weighed down with double frustrations, Siva lashed out again, this time with his left hand. His fist smashed into Spiky Hair's flat window, causing it to shatter. <coughs> Attracted by the noise, a Kepuchi woman emerged from a nearby flat. When she saw Siva, she retreated into her home in terror. This had nothing to do with her. Oh no, she didn't see anything. His arm bleeding, Siva picked up one of the bigger glass shards and leapt through the open window. Siva found himself in a kitchen of some sort. A stove stood between a washing machine and a fridge. A calendar with a bikini-clad woman hung on one of the walls. Loud music was playing. Siva recognised the song. They often played it at the club down the road. His arm was hurting badly and Siva felt as if he would pass out. But he grit his teeth and bore the pain. 
Gripping the shard tightly, he made his way out of the kitchen. Spiky Hair was sitting on a couch, eating noodles while watching television. He was in his underwear, and his hair was flat and not spiky like usual. He rose with a scream as Siva entered. Ah! Who the f*** are you? He screamed. Get out of my house! Mary! Where is Mary? What? No longer Spiky Hair's voice was quivering. Please, man, take what you want. Don't hurt me. I want Mary. Where, Mary? What? I don't know what you're talking about. He lies. The voices hissed. You take Mary, you give her back. Screaming like a banshee, Siva rushed at no longer Spiky Hair, who was too terrified to move. Blood splattered against the walls as he lashed out with the shard, striking at no longer Spiky Hair's hands, his feet, his neck. His last words were an anguished, Please, please. And an unintelligible, almost animal scream, which was drowned out by the loud music still playing on the TV. <laughs> Looking at no longer Spiky Hair's limp body lying on the floor, Siva suddenly felt very tired. His muscles ached and he felt sticky all over. The pain in his arm, which vanished during his attack, was suddenly back and hurting twice as much. He collapsed on the late, no longer Spiky Hair's couch, curling himself up into a ball. Siva had never slept on a couch like this in his life. He was amazed at how comfortable it was. Just then, Siva heard a voice coming from the ceiling. He looked up to see Mary, smiling at him. Her hair was in a ponytail, and she wore a long silver dress, which made her look very beautiful. Large butterfly wings grew from her back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. She laughed. It sounded like little bells. She flew down to Siva and hugged him tightly. She smelt of roses and strawberries. It was the happiest moment of Siva's life. That story was produced by Daryl Ong and Maya Tan, with many thanks to the voices of Uma Pakan, Ambike Pakan, Adeline Chung, Othnil Ting, Nadia Abdulaziz, and the voices in Siva's head. We've come to the end of another episode of A Sunday Kind of Love with me, Tasha Fusil, Maya Tan, our resident couch potato, Christina Oro, and the supernatural buff, Zoe Maisara. Before we go, this is Dracula by the Gorillas. You've been listening to a Sunday kind of love. Have a heinously delightful Halloween. BFM 89.9.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.